Welcome to That Artist, a podcast where we talk about all things art. I'm your host, Danny, And I'm Michaela, And let's talk about what's going on in the art world this week. Michaela, do you want to go into what your news for the week is? Do you want to start the news or did you just want to like... Oh, I guess we could talk. There's yeah, nothing you... wrong talking. You want to you wanna talk about what we were going to talk about before we started recording and then we decided to stop to keep it for the recording? I guess we could. Yeah. So... I took my three-year-old son to the movie theater for the first time today. Oh, wow. How'd that go? It actually went incredibly well. He sat and watched the whole movie, and I laughed at one point, and I asked him if he's doing okay, and he shushed me. <laughs> just full well, on shh. I'm what like, movie I'm just did you guys? Sure. We went to see Sonic 2. How was it? It was so good. There was were it? some parts in there that I kind of wish personally they had in there. I was hoping for a little bit more banter between Sonic and Tom like they did in the first one. Mm-hmm. But I know that the majority of the audience had a problem with that the first time, which to me doesn't make sense, but whatever, to each their own. Um, but as somebody who is a big Tales fan, I was incredibly excited when I saw the little preview in uh, the mid credits from the first one so super excited luckily my kid has followed in my footsteps and became a tales fan as well (laughs) and i am incredibly excited and i'm going to tell everybody right now i'm going to give you a few seconds to mute or turn off the volume because there will be a spoiler here for a minute if michaela is okay with me bringing out yeah that's fine okay so i am spoiler alert right now mute give me 10 seconds Yeah, Yeah, give me 10 seconds. Okay, so uh, at the end um, of, like, the mid-credit scene, they have Shadow. And I'm so fucking excited because he is, like, my second favorite. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting all your dreams made here. Yeah, okay, so I will give everybody just a couple more seconds to come back. But um, for anybody who did mute and is now back... You are good now. You do not have to worry about missing anything or having anything spoiled now. Yeah, welcome back. (laughs) Yeah, welcome back. So Um, Jax really liked it then? He loved it. There was... So it's a two-hour movie, and we were a little bit eerie just because you never know with a three-year-old. But Mm -hmm. he actually did so incredibly well. We had no idea that he could act that way at all, let alone (laughs) in a movie theater for two hours. He acts pretty good. He did good when we all went to dinner. Oh, yeah. I mean... Or is I... that just because he has a crush on me and he was trying to impress me the whole night? <laughs> no, he's he's a very, very good kid. He's always been very quiet. Even as a baby, he was just so chill and well-behaved. Um, you know, we've been very, very inc- incredibly lucky about it. And we're just super excited because both Justin and I are huge, avid moviegoers. Mm-hmm. And... That hasn't really been able to happen a whole lot since we had Jax. Uh, outside of the fact that there was COVID. <laughs> yeah, there. That, um, that does something too. Yeah, yeah. So we were super excited and we were a little worried, but we figured Monday at noon, all everybody who will be there, if anybody at all, is just going to be parents with 
kids of their own. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to just because Justin isn't currently working thanks to another injury. I will not go on a rant about. I'll leave everybody. I'll spare everybody there. But um, but yeah, so we decided to go and it went super well. He sat, watched the whole thing. There was one time where he's a little fidgety, but it was mostly just trying to keep himself awake because it was after nap time. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it was a great experience. We had a good day. Oh, that's good. I'm glad he yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. How was work? It was okay. I had a long weekend, guys. We're also not going to get into that, but I'm, I'm having a rough <laughs> day. But I did enjoy some art this weekend. A oh, friend really? of mine um, participated in a drag pageant. Oh, She's a drag queen. And it was really good, and I am very proud of them for going outside of their comfort zone and doing it. And I don't think you listen to this, but if you do, hi, and I love you. Good job. But it was a very cool experience I've never seen. I go to a lot of drag shows. I've never been to a drag pageant. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely a different experience. And they do, like, a talent portion. So a lot of them did, you know, like, songs or someone did, like, a taekwondo, like, thing where they were breaking boards which is super cool and creative and like wasn't expecting that yeah and then they do a like evening gown like portion where they come on in evening gowns and they have to answer questions but it's like creative evening gowns so they had like themes like one girl i I believe one queen was a like venus fly trap Oh, like wow. her dress. It was like they had very, very cool things. And I was like, oh, this is like a side of drag that I didn't um, quite know about. And if I didn't have a friend who was drag queen, I probably wouldn't have known about that because I only would have known of the shows. So it was a really cool experience. And I'm glad I got to experience something like that and go cheer on my friend. Yeah. But yeah, and it was just fun. If you guys haven't been to a, a drag pageant, look up your local drag pageants and go on. I even got to. Um, go to one that was for the next I'm going to butcher what the actual title was but the idea of the title was like um, the metro area of where we're from teen drag queen and Mm -hmm. so they were ranging from 14 to 20 I'm excited to definitely like watch some of them grow like into themselves and into the character that they're playing on stage like not necessarily this character but you know they all have a different feel to them and they're gonna grow in their performance and I'm excited to get to watch some of these awesome performers grow into themselves for sure there are yeah so how how did your friend do do you know like was there an actual so I'm gonna be honest the the way they announced it was really not great and they were like oh well like we're going to announce the evening wear and then we're going to do like runner up and like first place. And then mm-hmm. they were like, oh, well, the first place winner also won evening wear. So why don't we just announce them together? And then they did that and then they crowned her and then they like never said the other places. Oh, so I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Um, well, I'm sure they did great. Congratulations did. to you. Yeah. So I don't know if you're listening. I don't even know if you know I do a podcast. Well, well, you should people... let them know and tell them that they need to let everybody know. Yeah. <laughs> that well, we have a podcast and they need to listen. 
I'll, I'll message you once we're done recording. I'm leaving all <laughs> this in. I'm recording this before I told you that I recorded this. <laughs> okay, do you want to get into our news segments? Sure. About to talk some art news? Sure. This is my favorite part, guys, because I don't know if you know this, um, but I'm severely dyslexic and I have to like write down <laughs> notes and then also try to read them out loud, which is so hard. Okay, I can do this. I'm going to hype myself up. All right. That's my news article. I thought this is very cool. It's a group of paintings by an artist named Francis Hines. He was an obscure, obscure, is that how you Obscure. Obscure. Yeah. Thank you. Artist that was active in the 1970s and the 1980s in New York. And a bunch of his paintings were just rediscovered after being discarded near a Connecticut barn and is now going to be showcased in Manhattan for this wow. next month. Wow. Um, there was 30 large-scale abstract paintings that were found among several, several hundred other works that were found in 2017 by a local mechanic. Um, they were found on a property near Waterburger, Waterbury. Sorry. Waterbury near the artist's formal. Oh my god! I'm just gonna former. I'm just. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go back a little bit there. Okay. Okay. No. 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 Keep going because. Uh, <laughs> make sure you put this in too because I was gonna wait until you were done, but I I was talking to Justin after the last episode dropped and mm-hmm. he was listening to it and he was laughing consistently about the sweepstakes and for anybody who is listening to this but hasn't quite listened to the previous episode Michaela has a little bit of an issue (laughs) trying to say particular words and it has become a little bit of a bit an unintentional bit well Justin I hope you're laughing at all of this and I want to say for anyone who wants to be mean about me trying to do this, I am severely dyslexic. You can't be mean to me about this. I'm doing my best. It is okay to laugh, though. Because... No, it's totally okay to laugh. Just don't be mean to me. <laughs> we, yeah, we sit there and we laugh about it both in the recording and afterwards. <sighs> so if you feel like you're gonna, you need to laugh, laugh at it because we're already doing it. Yeah, it's okay. And it's too, it's too fun not to. You're not gonna go to hell for laughing at somebody <laughs> who's severely dy- dyslexic. You're good. Just don't mean but, leave mean comments because yeah, I'll don't cry. leave mean yeah, don't leave mean comments. Like okay, this whole thing mo- is about safe space. Don't be making mean do comments that. whether it's about art or not. That's not cool. Yeah. Okay. Be Anyways, cool. back to my art news. It's found near his former studio. There, there we, go. we go. Okay. So the pieces were recovered from an industrial dumpster along with other debris that was left behind in his studio Mm -hmm. from his death in 2016 at the age of 96. So he, and from what I understand, I think I have it noted here um, a little bit later too, if I can find the note, I don't, I can't find it now. Oh no. Yeah. He, he continued producing art until 2016. So he continued producing art up until his death at 96. Wow. Which is, I'm, I, Incredible. So some of these paintings will go on view in multiple locations in New York, such as Chelsea, Southport, and even a gallery in Connecticut from May 5th to June 11th. The article I got this from did not tell me which 
galleries they were in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I probably could have done more research and found out, but you guys also have Google. So if you're interested and you're in the area, look up his name because I I looked up the art and the art is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not the first time that his art has been showcased since the discovery. Um, they were showcased one other time with the help of the mechanic reaching out to an historian and a publisher named Peter Hastings. And they created a exhibit made of all his art in a museum in Waterbury, Connecticut. It was dedicated to him and recovering his paintings and like finding his last his lost art. Mm-hmm. The estates of these paintings found are estimated at twenty two thousand dollars, and they actually say that they believe that would be more, but because his art. Like, he was forgotten for so long. Obviously, the price is lower. But they're, like, he's such an amazing artist that we think as people see his art more, the art price will go up. Mm -hmm. Um, He was a lesser-known artist during his career compared to a lot of the other people active in the 1980s New York art scene. Which, I mean, if you think of the 1980s art scene in New York, it was quite... For sure. Quite mm. the thing. But he is remembered primarily for his installation in um, Washington Square, where he shrouded the arch in fabrics. And sometimes in the, sometime in the late 1960s and 70s, after securing a gallery representation with a Soho dealer, Heinz did relocate to Waterbury, where he um, converted a barn into a studio and that's where he produced art until 2016 so he ended up moving out of New York and going there and just having like a quieter life and I just to end it I pulled this quote by a dealer um, Hollis Tangart I'm sorry if I butchered that name but once again <laughs> dyslexic I'm doing my best but he left this he made this statement about the art which I thought was like a very beautiful thing um, he said, I am particularly invested in preserving the work of artists who have been left out of the mainstream art history, whether by active omission or just by chance. It is extremely rare to come across this many works of art by a largely forgotten artist. And he continued by saying that with the forthcoming exhibition, this is a chance to reconsider how his art might fit into the history of American art movement like um, abstract expressionism and so he's talking about how there's all these different artists who painted and were maybe not as well known as some of their peers at the time but still made an impact on the art history that don't get the credit for that and that's what he's hoping that this project of finding all this art and being able to put in galleries is going to help change would be like no like it wasn't obviously everyone knows these big names and they're these amazing amazing artists but there's so many other people who made an art impact on the art community that deserve the same respect and time and so he's uh extremely happy to be able to put on these galleries um from what i understand he does it with some other artists as well who have been forgotten until they after they pass and Mm -hmm. so he tries to highlight people who are going to um now get a chance to show their art off in a way that they didn't get to when they were alive which i think is really beautiful yeah that's that's really awesome yeah. i love that i love that and like i said i just um, wish that it wasn't 
before he passed away. You know? I know. It is sad, but I do think it's great that they are at least trying now to give his work the um, attention that they think that he deserved, even Absolutely. if it didn't happen when he was alive. But yeah. like I said, that is from May into June in not only Connecticut, but in New York as well. So you guys should be able to look it up. His name is Francis Hines and find what galleries that will be at. Cool. Yeah, well, let's see what we can do. That actually sounds really fun. Danny, do you want to read your pieces of art for us now? Yeah, so for I'm going to throw something else in real quick. I forgot okay. to mention it to you. But this coming Friday, April 22nd, which is a Friday after this podcast is released. Yes. Uh, the DMAC, which for anybody local would know what that is. That's the Des Moines Area Community College. They're in Iowa. In case you're not in Iowa. From Iowa. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I forget that we actually have listeners and, that uh, aren't just our friends and family. Yeah, yeah, which I am incredibly thank you for. Thank yes, you, thank everybody. you so much. But the DMAC Fashion Institute, which I am a part of, I just began their program through the fashion program in design specifically i'm i'm not technically fashion program but it it is kind of intertwined anyway it doesn't matter but i am a part of the dfi which is the dmac fashion institute their gala is this friday and i this, don't have this coming friday this coming friday april 22nd 2022 and i don't have any pieces that are going to be showed off but i will be there as a photographer taking photos so Fun. i wanted to kind of do a little bit of a shout out to them um just because i am part of it and so i wanted to do a little quick about the dfi gala, gala. it's already Perfect. written out so everything can be found on dmax website at www.dmac.edu but a little bit about the dfi gala is that it is hosted by the dmac fashion institute this theme or this year the theme is euphoria so everything oh. is going to be colorful and bright lights big fancy um all designs are handcrafted by the dfi students using unconventional and sustainable materials the annual gala is a great opportunity for students to showcase their talents and creativity for the community. This is an avant-garde event, so it's super fancy. And I have seen some of the stuff that's going to be walking, and it's gorgeous. You do not want to miss out on this. Yeah, I'm excited, actually. That sounds so yeah. much fun. It is so fun. Uh, the annual DFI Fashion Gala was born in the spring of 2015 to create a deeper, more meaningful experience for the students. So it allows them to have more hands-on experience outside of the classroom, which I absolutely love. It's something that I've always advocated for as somebody who does not do well in a classroom setting. Having a more hands-on experience is always something that I'm always really gung-ho is really important to have. Yeah. Especially, yeah, especially in college where you're trying to learn a trade or a career path or whatever, I think it's really important to kind of have a little bit more hands-on experience. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So they are sold out in terms of being able to go. So I'm not going to bother giving out the location or anything like that. But if anybody is interested, they still do have virtual streaming tickets that are only by open donation. 
So if oh. you decide that, yeah, so if you decide that you want to purchase tickets and you want to donate to a great cause, please feel free. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And and if you see me, please screenshot it. I would love to see. <laughs> I would love to see the stupid face I'm making as I'm sitting there trying to take photos while I'm doing it. I love that. Yeah. What is your other piece of art news? Okay, so I am going to apologize now. I am absolutely terrible with names and pronunciation of names, but I will give it my best shot. So, a man by the name of Fernando Antonio Montejano. I'm so sorry if that's wrong. Um, He is a poet from Omaha, Nebraska, is taking his passion to the stage. Wow. Yeah. So Fernando. I will. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Fernando is currently serving a fellowship with Opera Omaha, and although he is not a singer, he has worked really, really hard to bring opera to a South Omaha park. Apart from doing so, Fernando says, quote, I get the honor of delivering the pre-show talk, which for anybody who doesn't know, that is when somebody comes in and talks about what you're about to experience and kind of get get the hype going for the show. Yeah. Which is really, really cool all in its own. According to the, sorry, I know I'm going to butcher this as well, the Evil, Evil Good website, whichever it is. I hopefully at least one of those is correct. <laughs> um, Fernando was born in Texas and moved to the Midwest around the age of five. And as Fernando explored his new surroundings and the new culture, he found himself trying to work through trauma and addiction and a lot of other things that he kind of went through that they spoke about in the article. Unfortunately, the article is just way too long to be able to give all the attention it deserves. But he found that poetry was his way of being able to cope through all of it. So he's taken his poetry and creating his own art and also kind of working through some things, which in the upcoming month, we have some uh, some guests who also have similar experiences, past experiences that have allowed them to kind of be able to be worked through through their art. So it's really it's really something that I wanted to highlight just because it's something that a lot of us do kind of go through. Yeah. As Fernando continues to perform in his own way, he also hopes to produce a complete show in Omaha. And for anybody who is outside of Omaha who wants to experience his work, you can check out his YouTube channel at just Fernando Antonio Montejano. Sorry. Um, if you want to read the rest of the article, we do have it shared to that artist page and just check it out and kind of give him some love. And, and, and Fernando, if you hear this, we would love to have you on the, on the show personally. I think what you, what you're doing is awesome. And if anybody knows him who is listening, or if Fernando, you yourself are listening, please, please reach out. I would love to talk to you more about this because I read the whole article and I'm just really interested with how he's how he's kind of done all this. Yeah, I know we do have um, friends and I'm hopefully the listeners that live in the Omaha area. So if you guys yeah. just happen to know him, just, you know, let us know. Give him a little a little message for us. Speaking of seeing artists in action, 
our next artist that we will be interviewing here in just a couple seconds. I will be seeing in May at a Renaissance Festival. Really? We're, we're about to just introduce him. So I don't want to introduce him again because then it's going to cut right back into it. Mm-hmm. But at the end, he does say that he is doing a Renaissance Festival. His group is. And mm-hmm. I'm going to see them in May because I'm a nerd and I love Renaissance Festivals. <laughs> Don't think that you're going alone, by the way. I was also already going to go before I knew that he was performing. But now, like, I feel like I extra have to go because a artist that we now have connected with has taken their very precious time to come on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be not performing, only that, so obviously we have to go. Yeah, not only that, like, for anybody who knows, we're recording this first part after the fact, if that wasn't already clear. But yeah, we record our actual interviews about a month ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, some of them. So yeah, but along with that, uh, you will you will hear it in the upcoming seconds. But what they do is incredible, and if you have the chance to to be ever fair, I guess them, you've to be fair, I guess you've already um, read the name of this podcast and know that we're interviewing someone from North Fry that's that's a circus performer. So we're going to see a circus performer at the Renaissance Fair in Des Moines, Iowa. If you also come, it's Mother's Day weekend. If you also come to that Renaissance Festival, you should check them out. And then also Danny and I, sounds like she might also be going. I'm for sure going to be there. But if you see Mm -hmm. us, say hi. Yeah. Maybe we'll get t-shirts made just so that everybody knows that it's us. This is that artist. Yeah, there's only what two photos of us on our on our social media so anybody who is local but doesn't quite know us yet may not we'll, recognize us yeah we'll we'll wear shirts with our logo on it so you can be like oh hey i know you guys i listen to you and i don't know i i don't want this to sound conceited or anything conceited maybe isn't even the word i don't even know what conceited means but if it is i i arrogant i guess i i don't want to assume that anybody knows us because we are oh. very new but i meant if, like so, if I you meant do like friends that I know. know that listen to I the know. podcast i know but if you do if you don't know us personally but you know us through the podcast don't please come, come say hi yeah. yeah come say hi because we- i think i think that would be such a boost for us <laughs> that's perfect okay i'm gonna have to wrap this up because eric's yeah. calling me yeah you're fine okay but the interview is coming up right now. Go listen to that. Stay tuned. And we'll, we'll take it over there now. That artist guest today is Coulter, the owner of Norse Fire, a traveling circus troupe in Nebraska with performers like aerialists, jugglers, acrobats, stilt walkers, and fire performers. Coulter, do you want to give a brief description about what Norse Fire is to you? Um, I mean, I think you covered it pretty well. We do a lot of circus arts. We're um, kind of a cross between an academy where you learn circus arts and a performance group where you perform in front of people. That's exciting. Um, You said that you started it, correct? Yeah, I started this particular group. There's a couple of groups in like the Midwest, but Norse Fire is like my baby project. Do you want to give us a little information about like um, your background? on your own and then how you got to starting this and creating like the group and community that you have today. 
Uh, my background, I went to like an academy for circus arts. Um, I started as an aerialist, so that was kind of like my main focus. In high school and college, I really focused on like natural movement patterns. And that kind of drew me into like the circus aspect of aerials just because I think it's a pretty impressive feat of strength and acrobatics. So I mm -hmm. was pretty interested in like learning it, but I never really wanted to perform. And that kind of adjusted like the more I learned it, ended up being a performer. And then I ended up kind of gravitating from aerials, which I still do a lot of, but I kind of heavily focus on fire performance now too. And how did you get to... Um deciding to put this group together like for yourself and finding the people that you have now in it um well like a lot of leadership stuff just kind of comes from a vacuum so i felt that there was like a there's a lot of really talented performers in the region but not a lot of good opportunities for them so <laughs> there was kind of an opportunity to put something together to kind of like allow them to showcase their skills so you said that you started out as an aerialist. Is there a particular style of aerial that you did? Uh, Lyra is probably my heaviest, which is like the, it's a big metal hoop. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more, I want to say like explosive acrobatic movements as opposed to like silks, which is a little more graceful and mm -hmm. flexible, which aren't my strong points. So <laughs> I do a lot of like the beats and drops and partner work in Lyra. I um, very, very, very briefly did silks myself. Um, Michaela and I both have a condition called EDS, and a lot of that entails um, your joints dislocating a lot. So I had to stop. But the little amount of time that I did it, it was so ex exhilarating, I guess you could say. It was so freeing to do it. And... Just, I mean, even just watching it, if we ever get the chance to see see you perform, I'm super excited because just watching aerialists do what they do is so beautiful and just amazing to watch. How do you use this specific form of creative um, performing arts is how I want to phrase that as a form of self-expression? And have you ever done any other kinds of arts as self-expression as well? Or is it just kind of performing arts that you've always wanted to focus on? You know, I tried like a lot of different styles of art because I mm -hmm. do really like art, but I don't have like a lot of artistic abilities as far as like painting or drawing or even photography, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I just am kind of naturally a movement person. So finding an art form that you can express through movement is kind of yeah. a highlight to be able to express myself i'm a little like shy and reserved through speech and in normal life so you know circus arts really like allows me to kind of express a free version of myself that i don't get to through just normal conversation yeah i feel like that's pretty universal with a lot of performance artists as well that they I have other friends who do um, performance arts like i have a friend who's a burlesque dancer and she's like in person i am so shy but when you get on that stage it's almost like a different version of yourself that comes out like an alternate personality that just kind of takes over would you say that's kind of similar where when you're performing it's like a different version of yourself out there than you the regular you day to day yeah i think it's a lot like um just acting like you get to kind of create a character or 
express a character that someone is requesting and then kind of go from there. And it's nice to like be able to develop the character just through the movement patterns. Mm -hmm. Has it, would you say that that character of yourself has progressed um, as your skills progressed and how so? Um, probably I think that everyone tends to get like a, a favorite character. I think mm -hmm. you have to be like a little diverse and be able to adapt pretty well, but I tend to lean back towards like um, Nordic characters or like uh, martial arts shinobi characters. And that's just because like my background is in martial arts pretty heavy. So being able to like combine that into a performance aspect has developed really quickly. At first it was like still kind of like, oh, I know this stuff, but in like a shy reserved way. And just mm -hmm. kind of as you progress, it gets like a lot more explosive. Do you have a fame, like looking back on all the performances that you've done, is there one that stands out to you the most as either the craziest performance you've ever done or your favorite performance you've ever done? And could you like tell us a little story about it? Because we are very interested. <laughs> Oh, man, that's so hard because they're all, like, so different <laughs> and so good for different oh, I'm reasons. Sure. Um, there is one that, like, I'm thinking of, like, and the aspect of crazy. At one point, we did, like, a private event, and it was very, like, um, it was right when The Greatest Showman came out. So it was, like, very heavily Greatest Showman influenced. So we had, you know, we had unicyclists, we had jugglers, we had aerialists, we had fire, we had acrobats. Just like everybody doing their thing at the same time. And then when we got to the venue, they moved us from like this, <clears throat> I want to say it was like a 40 by 50 concrete area, like up two stories onto like a 20 by 30 metal balcony. Oh no. And we just like kind of crammed it all in there. So we had like aerialists like hanging off the edge, just like oh, real no. close quarters. Like it was fun, <laughs> but yeah, it was a lot of stress in that moment. Yeah. Like, just like, you know, you could do it up there, right? And I'm like, Yeah, we can. Like <laughs> I don't know if we I... should, but we could probably <laughs> We're gonna... make it work. <laughs> yeah, it was a really fun crazy. one. And like, yeah, just just crazy all around. I think a lot of people um, don't realize unless you are into performing art yourself about how much of your art is determined by information that you already have, such as you thought you're going to have this amount of space and now all of a sudden it changes. Is that something that happens a lot where um, a client or a venue will change something on you like that and you guys have to quickly adapt? And as a group of performers, how do you guys kind of like, figure out how to do that and work together because obviously you're changing a lot of your act that you've been practicing to adapt to this new change does it is it ever like stressful do you guys fight about it or do you guys just kind of work together and figure out how you can make it work you know i have a really good really versatile really driven team and they're pretty good about just going with what we have a lot of times uh, event directors we have some great ones that i've been lucky to like get a good repertoire with but we also have some that's like communication is not their strongest so we have very little information going in and we mm -hmm. just show up and kind of adapt to that the way we kind of train for that is just like in our everyday training we kind of just try to train as versatile as possible kind of switch the conditions um that way wherever we go we're kind of prepared for what we're doing that's very smart it's like um improv kind of <laughs> Right. So you say with your 
day-to-day training, does that mean that you guys are practicing every day or do you have a set amount of practices that you insist on having within a weekly or a monthly basis? Um, practice is kind of just your own thing to do. Most people do do a little bit of practice every day. Um, because there's so many skills that we can cover, it's not hard to focus for an hour or two on like, if I want to do juggling today or I want to do ground props or I want to get in the air and do some aerials. Um, but we don't have like a strict regimen of you have to do this, this, and this. It's kind of everybody focuses on what they want to. And that's kind of what I lean back to, like having a really driven team. I've never really had to get on them to practice. They all want to improve mm-hmm. all the time. That's wonderful. Um like you said, you've repeated multiple times that you have such an amazing team. So obviously your art isn't just dependent on you. It's dependent on all these people and all these people's bodies. Like you physically are the art. Would you say that your relationship with art because of that, um, being such a physical thing and being dependent on other people is different than someone who say sits down and paints on a canvas by themselves? What, uh, how would you say that your relationship's different? And do you think that yourself has a different, like you as your own person, has a different relationship with art because you use your body instead of sitting down at a canvas? Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of like differences just in the physical aspect of it, but I think corely, like the appreciation of art is pretty much the same, like the love for what you're doing is still there. Um, probably the main difference for us is because it is so like uh, partner oriented a lot of the time that we have to put a lot of trust into another person. It'd be, I mean, I think it happens, but it would be kind of strange to like paint a picture or write a book with another person. Um, so we get kind of like involved with bouncing off of each other a lot. So True. So because you're working together all the time, contortioning your bodies, whatever that may be, what is what, what impact does that have on your body through the long run? Do you have a lot of trouble with your muscles, with your joints, anything like that? Or does this type of art allow your body to stay limber, stay fit, keep the muscles stretched out? What, what exactly does it do to your body by doing this on a daily basis? I'm sure just like everything else, just like normal training, it would be really easy to overdo it and create an injury. It's not super uncommon for someone to like try and push through a splits too much and get a small injury. There's a lot of like uh, massage sessions and chiropractic <laughs> sessions, but not too many like life altering injuries. So you would say that it's a pretty dangerous way of creating art. Or it could be anyway. Yeah, it has the potential to be deadly. Like especially like when we're dealing with partners, like I'll hang my partner by her neck, you know, 30, 40 feet in the air. So if she slips, like that is life altering. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of like conditioning to be able to do that and trust for another person. Um, how do you guys build that trust with each other? Because obviously at one point you did not know each other well you guys are just coming in together so how do you as a team build that trust and relationship to be able to feel safe creating this art with each other uh i mean slowly and carefully i would say just kind of working this move into this move and you get like a 
in close quarters with another person, you kind of be able to read their body language and their feelings. And there are days where it's like, you know, like my regular partner, there are days where like she can read me or I can read her that we're not at 100% and we need to dial it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of being aware of your partner. And that just comes through practice and time. Going back to the last question that you answered, um, if you don't mind, uh, is there a time where that danger showed up on stage? Is there a... Sorry, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Is there a way, is, was there ever an injury on stage that had to halt the show? And what was that, if you don't mind answering that? Uh, we've never had a major injury on show, which is good. Um, hope never to. There was an issue once where I had my partner and there's a certain grip that you do and I missed it. So it wasn't a very good grip, but there are um, safety measures in play. We have codes that we use in the air mm -hmm. and I had to tell her slip, which just means that I don't have a good grip. And usually they have about, you know, five to 10 seconds to adjust that and figure it out. That was about the scariest we had. Nothing bad happened from it, but it was I could definitely feel I didn't have a tight grip on her. Well, but she was able to hear me and adjust and get it fixed. I think we all could agree that um, quote-unquote circus acts tend to have a certain connotation around them or some people feel certain ways about them. Have your friends or family always been supportive of the art you do or were they like, hey, why are you doing this? This is kind of weird. Do they support you now if they didn't before? Um, what's their relationship with what you guys do as performing artists? Uh, my personal family relationship was a little weird at first because I was going from like a heavy disciplined martial arts background into just like random chaotic circus. And I don't think that my parents really understood the transition. I'm not sure that I really understood the transition at the time. So it was like a little, yeah, like why, why has this why occurred? Are you doing this? Like, yeah. <laughs> But after seeing it and like my parents have always been very supportive of my art and like that I have a passion for it. They're very supportive of it now. So I don't think it took them long to adjust. It was just kind of a weird jump for anybody. That's totally understandable. Do your friends, I guess I don't know how old you are or like when you started this, but I feel like it's really popular um, in your young 20s for people to be like "Ooh, we're out drinking who can do party tricks have you ever like had something like that where you and your friends are hanging out and they're like hey 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 do a backflip do back you know anything like that where you've been out with your friends and they're like mm, show us something cool right now yeah we get that quite a bit and also just like in my daily life i don't really like to hold still so, like, I will definitely, like, bring clubs or flow props or something to any social gathering. And then, like, when I get bored just sitting there, I can just start playing with it. You're like, hey, look at this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, as a traveling troupe as a whole, what's your current range that you're traveling to? Are you currently just mostly in Nebraska? Are you more of a Midwest? Are you more of a, you know, nationwide? Where exactly is Norse Fire right now? Um, I mean, our focus area, like where we train and perform the most is definitely like the Lincoln, Omaha, Nebraska area. But we do travel a lot. We just got back from Texas for a music festival down there. 
we do a lot in Colorado and Minnesota, um, a bunch of stuff in Iowa. There's a lot of mid specifically. I personally have traveled internationally to perform, trying to get more of my troop in that direction. So, Where's the furthest that you've traveled um, for yourself for a gig? China, Beijing. Mm. Oh, interesting. What was that for, if you don't mind telling us? Uh, it was like a a circus demonstration of martial arts i did a uh, combat sword oh very cool and for the listeners can you kind of describe a little bit of what combat sword is it's mm, almost like dancing but it involves a weapon um, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of rolling around your body and stuff i love describing it as dancing with a weapon that's a, <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe that <laughs> What would you say that your future goals are for your group? Because obviously I feel like it's very easy when you're a solo artist to be like, okay, these are my goals. I want to sell this amount of paintings or I want to make my first book and sell this many books. But you are dealing with a whole group of people who have individual goals. So do you guys kind of push each other to help each other achieve those goals? Or do you kind of focus on goals as a group and... If you have goals as a group, what are some of those goals? Um, we really do push each other. Um, you just practice-wise and goal-wise as a group, it's nice to have other people that are pushing as hard as you are. One thing that we do pretty consistently is once or twice a year, we like to sit down and everybody like list a specific goal they have. Um, be that like you know, I want to perform at every state. I want to do a music festival big or small, whatever it is, we just kind of find it out. And part of our group like philosophy is we're really like in the market of making people's dreams come true. So like, I really want to push inside of my group, the ability for each member to accomplish everything they want to accomplish. So getting that feedback of like, Hey, I would like to focus on this area really helps us kind of step it up and give it the push it needs. So with the hype of talent shows on television right now, has there ever been talk amongst your group on being on shows like America's Got Talent to kind of help get your name out there to try to achieve some of those goals? Um, We get offers from like America's Got Talent and stuff like that pretty often. I think that most artists do. It's just there's kind of a stigma around it in the performance art anyway of like giving away too much of your product for free or like being used mm -hmm. for something. So we haven't mm -hmm. ever like pursued that. It is something that we've kind of thought about before, but I think right now that we do well enough in our own focuses that we don't need to, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but like dampen our art any. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about that. So you kind of answered my next question on if there was uh, any, in the performing arts community, any like looking at other performer artists who do that and be like, ooh, they're selling out. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I don't personally have a problem with it, but it does kind of like carry a stigma in the groups that like, oh, is that tainting the art? Are you really mm -hmm. like keeping it pure at that point? Is it mostly because the viewers of these shows will look at your work and what you do and think that it's something less valuable because of the sellouts? I think that everyone's worries generally just kind of like how reality TV is, is that they'll try and make it more messy and dramatic than it is. And it's yeah. like won't really appear 
as like an art and more of just like mass chaos. That totally makes sense. Yes, I think fire, like watching fire performers is amazing. I think it's a beautiful form of art, but it is terrifying to me because I kind of have a phobia of fire. Is that anything that you've had to deal with of being like, oh, this is terrifying? And like, how did you get over that fear? I think that in order to be a good fire performer, you should have a healthy fear of fire. I think people who don't fear and respect the flame are the ones who get burnt. So it's really normal to be afraid of it. And the bottom line is like you should. We just try to go at it very safely. There's a lot of safety courses. We always have trained personnel and the fire fuels and props are very controlled. So with all of this coming around you with a bunch of different artists that you're working with on a daily basis where do you draw your inspiration from do you draw it from the rest of them do you take your own life perspectives and your own life story and put it into your art where where does that inspiration come from most of the time um we feed off of each other quite a bit so that helps, like I said, to have someone constantly kind of pushing you. A lot of us come from different backgrounds of skills, too. So when you kind of put them all into one melting pot, they teach each other and everybody becomes really well balanced. Uh, but we also draw a lot of inspiration, either like from historical circus, you know, kind of old school stuff. Or uh, like Cirque du Soleil is doing a lot of new school stuff and kind mm-hmm. of pushing the envelope. Um, so outside sources really influence us to get better. But inside sources convince us to, like, practice to get there. Mm-hmm. How often do you personally practice? And, like, how how much of your time a week would you say is you practicing? I mean, that would depend on what you mean by, like, strict practice. Because, like, I can't really hold still. So I do practice a few hours every day, even if that's just, like, going outside and getting one of my numerous props out and just spinning. Mm-hmm. Um, that aspect for me too is like uh, not only practice, but it's really kind of a meditative, meditative state for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of helps me shut the rest of my brain off and I could just kind of focus on getting this role, doing this trick. Nice. So you've kind of talked about a little bit about what you've done. Is there anything else that you kind of turn towards in terms of different types of performances that you do or do you just stick to your little box that you know well or do you kind of travel outside of that venture and experiment a little bit with different types of performance art yeah i mean the goal is to do everything and just cover every element the goal for us really is just like if you think anything circus related in the midwest I want you to think of Norse fire. So like already we're very versatile. We do ren fairs, we do music festivals, we do mm-hmm. music videos, we do private parties, we do Halloween performance, we do cosplay performance. Um, so we like to get out of our box. We like to do things we've never done. And like, I would love more ideas of things to push what we're already doing. What about you personally? Like, just you as a person, do you try to venture out just yourself, or is it kind of more just to that team effort to create the whole show together? 
I definitely like to push myself out of my own box too. I have, like I said, a very kind of like strict character that I lean to, but it's really fun to get outside of that. Uh, we did like a cosplay performance at Anime Dallas last year, and I was a Sailor Moon character. So that's like well outside of my range, but it was really fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, when you think of your dream performance in the future, what are you seeing? Ooh, that's hard. I tried to set a lot of strict goals. Um, last year, my big goal was to perform for Closey, who is like an EDM artist. And we got to do that last year. And we're going to get to do it again uh, in June for Cosmic Kingdom. So that's like one of my top tier artists that I've always wanted to perform for. Um, with... so it's nice to be able to repeat it, I guess. So because you have worked with different artists of different mediums, what is the most starstruck celebrity you have been able to work for? Um, that's tough in that aspect. I, st I still think it's closey because like I have such a respect for her music and like I've performed solo to it so many times, just like be able to meet her in person and hang out. And she's, really cool and humble and that's just a refreshing thing to run into from a celebrity um later in the year when we do some of our cosplay stuff we're gonna get to work with a lot of like the voice actors from avatar the last airbender so i'm pretty excited for that awesome that is really really cool um i think we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up we really loved having you on and really enjoy having you on thank you so much yeah, thanks for having me. Um, would you? We would love for people to be able to find you elsewhere. Do you mind dropping your socials so people can look you up? Yeah, all our socials are the same. You know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. It's all Norsefire, which is N O R S E F Y R E, one word. And do you have any future performances that you want to let anybody know in case they can make it? Uh, in May, we have a Spring Fling which is like a renaissance festival in Des Moines at Sleepy Hollow, the 14th and 15th. And then the 22nd, we'll be doing our Kinky Circus Burlesque. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you again for listening to That Artist Podcast. If you'd like to find us off air, you can find us on Facebook at thatartist.fb, Instagram at thatartist.ig, TikTok at thatartist.tiktok, and if you would like to apply to be a part of the That Artist Podcast, me interviewed and come share your passion with our audience, you can email us at thatartistpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye.